0: The word glioblastoma has been in the news lately with Arizona Senator John McCain's diagnosis. Dr. Lawrence Chin, the professor and chair of neurosurgery and the medical director of the neuro oncology program at Upstate, agreed to talk with us about this type of brain tumor. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So, glioblastoma, what does that mean and, and how common is it?
1: Uh, glioblastoma is actually the most common type of primary brain tumor. So when I say primary tumor, I'm talking about a tumor that uh, arises in the brain uh, directly. So it comes from a cell that is already present in the brain.
0: So a brain cell?
1: Correct. Uh, There are two broad categories of brain cells. There are neurons, which are actually the, the cells that do the thinking in the brain. And then Much more common than neurons are actually the supporting cells or glial cells. Um, And these are the cells that usually turn into a malignant brain
0: tumor. And the most common type is the glioblastoma. Okay, is this, um, how would you describe this type of, is it an aggressive cancer or?
1: Yeah, it's a very aggressive uh, tumor. And and certainly I would call it a cancer. Uh, They're fast growing. Um, They're resistant to therapy, and they have a tendency of infiltrating into the brain, and that's what makes them very difficult to treat. Uh, They spread beyond what you actually see is the margin of the tumor on the MRI scan. So when we do uh, imaging to look at brain tumors, uh, we give contrast dye, and that lights up the area of the tumor. Well, this tumor um, sends fingers into the brain beyond what lights up on the scan. And so much more of the brain is affected than what you actually see on the scan. And that's one of the reasons why this tumor is so difficult to treat.
0: So even surgically, if you could just go in and take it out, you, you really can't just go in and take all of it out.
1: That's correct. Um yeah it's impossible to surgically cure this particular tumor because it always spreads deeper into the brain than you realize.
0: So do we have any idea what causes this?
1: We don't know. Uh, There has definitely been an increase in the incidence of brain tumors, um, and that's been shown. Uh, And whether that is due to environmental factors, we really don't know. Uh, A common question that people have is, does cell phone use um, correlate with, with this type of brain tumor. And right now, um, looking at all of the various studies, there doesn't seem to be a link. Although there are, you may find one study that shows a little bit of a link, but most of the studies indicate that there's no connection between cell phone use and developing, uh, this type of brain tumor.
0: So something else in the environment, or the way we're living, or presumably, no. um,
1: but uh, right now we really don't know.
0: So tell me, how is uh, this usually detected? How does a patient learn um, that they have a glioblastoma?
1: Well, the symptoms uh, are oftentimes, unfortunately, very common. They're headaches. Um, it could be, uh, it could cause a seizure, uh, or it could cause some type of neurological deficits. So some um, something that indicates an injury to the brain, and that might be weakness on one side of the body. It might be a vision change. Uh, it could be difficulty with speech or with memory. Um, and But these are all very common symptoms. So uh, really what Uh, The only way to diagnose it is to get an MRI scan, which is the most sensitive way to look at the brain, uh, and then to do a biopsy or do a a tumor resection um, where you're looking at the cells under a microscope.
0: So that, uh, when you talked about the symptoms, I remembered that in the weeks before John McCain was diagnosed on the news, there was, um, they replayed when he was speaking and sort of didn't make sense. Um, right. So in retrospect?
1: That, that was probably an early sign that uh, the speech areas uh, were being affected. Um, and in his case specifically, uh, these tumors can also present by having a bleed. So these tumors can bleed in the brain uh, and cause a blood clot, uh, but when you go in and you take out the blood clot, you may find that there is a tumor there.
0: Oh, okay. So what are, once, once you do know that that's what you're dealing with, that the patient has this, what are the treatment options? And if, if it's such an aggressive tumor, it have to be done quickly, the treatment?
1: Uh, yes. In general, we recommend treatment, uh, as soon as, uh, as soon as reasonably uh, possible. um, the first thing that that you wanna do if possible is to still try to take out as much as you can. So even though we know that we can't remove all of this type of tumor, the studies show that the more tumor you remove, the better the patients will do as far as survival. Uh, So we always try to do as much of a resection as possible and that involves doing an opening in the brain, we call that a craniotomy. Um, After we take out as much as we can and make the diagnosis, The standard therapy is uh, radiation treatment or x-ray therapy uh, with chemotherapy. And the chemotherapy is actually uh, very well tolerated. It's uh, a pill. It's an oral medication. uh, And that's given with the radiation. That seems to be the most effective way to deliver uh, the radiation and chemotherapy. Uh,
0: So you remove as much of the tumor as you can, but the parts that stay behind, would they keep growing?
1: Right. And they'll keep growing. And that's why we give the radiation and the chemotherapy to slow down and hopefully kill the cells that are left behind.
0: Okay. And is it does it have a good success rate?
1: Well, it is definitely successful in that it does kill tumor cells and it uh, increases patient survival. But... There's no cure for this type of tumor. And so, um, although it's effective in slowing down the tumor, unfortunately, with this type of tumor, because it is aggressive and it has a tendency to come back, and when it comes back, it can be more resistant to the therapy that was given. um, The average survival for this tumor is still around. 15 months, maybe a little bit longer, maybe 18 months um, in, in, in better cases. Okay.
0: Now, are there any other FDA-approved therapies that are being used for this?
1: Um, there are actually very few FDA-approved therapies, um, unfortunately, at this time. Um, so other than the, the best standard therapy, uh, which is radiation and the chemotherapy, Uh, Some other drugs that are used are drugs that uh, slow down the growth of blood vessels, um, and there's a medication that affects uh, the the ability of these tumor cells to grow blood vessels, which allow them to grow. Um, There's also uh, chemotherapy that can be delivered directly into the tumor through uh, wafers that you can place into the tumor bed at the time of surgery. Um, and then there is a newer therapy that involves, uh, placing, uh, electrodes on the outside of the head on the scalp, actually through large, uh, what looked like a large array of stickers over the scalp and electrical field can be, uh, delivered through the brain. Um, and this is something that patients wear pretty much all day, uh, and, Delivering this low level of of, um, electrical uh, field across the head also seems to to help kill tumor cells and prolongs patient survival. Uh, The thing with all of these therapy, however, is that they all have side effects. And so the specific therapy needs to be obviously discussed with the patient because the side effects may or may not be um, something that the patient wants to um, go through.
0: So there could be patients that want to just do, well, m- maybe might want to do nothing, but some might want just surgery and not want radiation or? Um, well, in,
1: I don't find that patients um, tend to want surgery and, and not do at least the standard therapy. Um, and I strongly encourage all of the patients to at least do the standard therapy because we do know that uh, the radiation and the temozolomide chemotherapy is effective and is still the gold standard uh, that all new therapies have to be judged against.
0: Okay. What about um, looking ahead on the horizon? What are... um Uh, Some fields of cancer are doing immunotherapy and and things of that nature. Are are there things like that coming for glioblastoma? Uh,
1: Yeah. This has actually been an active area of research for the last 25 years. Uh, Various kinds of immunotherapies have been used. Um, uh, Viruses have been used, for instance, um, to directly target the tumor cells. Uh, Herpes virus, polio virus... Um, various other kinds of viruses have been used. Um, to it, date, nothing has been shown to be better than standard therapy, however. And so that's why none of these therapies um, are in, uh, have been approved for regular use. Uh, there are also um, uh, immune therapies where you try to increase the body's own immune system. And so T-cell therapy is something that is very interesting and, and promising, and so the thought is you boost your body's own T-cells, which are the, the immune cells that attack foreign uh, cells inside your body and direct them to attack the tumor. Mm. Uh, and so these are undergoing clinical trials uh, and with some uh, potentially promising results. But again, I caution that these are all still experimental and nothing has been shown to be better than uh, the standard therapy. The conventional, therapy. this being.
0: Now, when you talk about the T-cells and boosting the immune system or getting the immune system to, to ramp up and, and work more, um, I can sort of conceptualize that or, or get it. But when you talk about injecting someone with a virus, why, why would you want to use a virus to fight this tumor?
1: So viruses uh, are theoretically useful because a virus is actually... Uh, something that goes into our bodies and infects cells. And so viruses, um, there are certain viruses, for instance, the herpes virus, that actually attack the brain, um, which causes disease in humans, but is also, uh, might be a way of getting into the brain and attacking a brain cell. And so because viruses have this tendency to infect human cells, the thought is that you could use this uh to attack a brain tumor
0: interesting wow well uh with a disease like this in a grim diagnosis um what do, how do you talk to patients and families when you have to give this diagnosis what do you say well
1: it's it's very tough um you know the first thing that i always try to um uh impart on patients and families is that it's not a hopeless diagnosis there are treatments that um, do have uh, benefit. And there are some patients that actually do much better than we expect. And so they live beyond the one and a half or even two years that seems to be the average. Um, there are some patients we're finding that have a better prognosis because their tumors are more responsive. And so we're now learning there that there are many molecular tests that we can use. And our pathologists here at Upstate are expert in making these kind of pathology diagnoses so that we can predict that this, that a patient-specific tumor might be more favorable based on uh, the actual um, molecular pathology of their specific tumor. And the hope is is that in the future, by being able to more accurately diagnose these tumor cells... And we're doing studies right now looking at this very specific thing that we will be able to tailor the treatment so that um, this is an area where personalized medicine, I think, is going to be very important in the
0: future. Thanks. That's good information. Appreciate you being here. My guest has been Dr. Lawrence Chin, Professor and Chair of Neurosurgery at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.